Hello, this is Tommy Peeler, and welcome to our podcast, Carefully Examining the Scriptures. The Bible is the greatest book which is ever written. The Bible has changed more lives than any book in history. How do we begin studying the Bible? We want to carefully examine the Scriptures, beginning with the lengthy book of Psalms. How are we to treat this marvelous book? The book of Psalms has Psalms as old as the time of Moses, according to Psalm 90. And they also deal with the time when the Jewish people returned from Babylonian captivity, according to Psalm 126. The book of Psalms spans almost 1,000 years. It is truly a profound work. We want to say a few things in this podcast introducing the book of Psalms. As we approach this wonderful book, is this a book that has a message from God or to God? In other words, is it a book where we simply see men pouring out their words to God? Or is it a book in which God also speaks to us? I would suggest that both of these are true of the book of Psalms. I believe all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, according to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. How did God inspire Scripture? It was not always in the same way. Sometimes God wrote directly the words that He wanted and even engraved them on stone tablets. We see this in Exodus 31 and Exodus 32 with the words of Moses. At other times, the biblical writers investigated, researched, interviewed witnesses, and wrote down the things that they concluded. We see that in Luke 1, verses 1 through 4. Both of these extremes are all encompassed in inspiration. In the book of Psalms, you see human writers pouring out their emotions at their experiences. When the Psalms are written, Psalm 51, for example, this is not a forced confession of sin, nor are Psalms 145 through 150 forced statements of praise. The writer wrote these words voluntarily. Psalms is a tremendous human achievement as men are pouring out their heart, their joy, and their grief to their God. But ultimately, God was guiding the process so that these words were not simply the words of people pouring out their emotions to God, but these words were the words of God Himself. Let me give you a few illustrations in Matthew 22, Jesus was arguing with the religious leaders of his day. As he discussed with the Pharisees the identity of Christ, he said, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they said, David's son. 
Then he said, why does David in spirit call him Lord? That's from Matthew 22 and verses 42 and 43. Why does David in the spirit call him Lord? Our emphasis in this broadcast is that David calling Jesus Lord was through the Spirit. He was guided by God's Spirit in that process. In Acts 1, verse 16 through 20, Peter quotes from a couple of Old Testament Psalms, Psalm 69 and Psalm 109. And he quotes from these psalms and emphasizes that David spoke these things by the Holy Spirit. In Acts 4, verses 25 and 26, the apostles again do this with a quotation from Psalm 2, 1 and 2. They attribute these words to God's Spirit. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, a quotation from Psalm 95 is introduced with the words the Holy Spirit says. Each of these passages show us that the book of Psalms is more than simply humans pouring out their heart to God. It is also God revealing himself to us. How is God to be sought in times of despair, in times of sin? How is God to be praised when our hearts are overflowing with gratitude and thanksgiving? The book of Psalms provides answers. And as we carefully examine the individual Psalms, Lord willing, in weeks to come, then we hope to see more of this truth, how God is instructing us how to seek Him through the book of Psalms. As we deal with the book of Psalms, we ask what kind of literature is Psalms? Different types of literature compose Scripture. In the books of Genesis through Deuteronomy, we have several sections of law where God states, you shall or you shall not do something. He states, if you do something, then this is the best alternative. He states the penalty for disobedience. That is law. Much of the Old Testament, even much of Genesis through Deuteronomy, is historical narrative. You see this particularly in books like Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles, as they record some of the most important events in Israel's history. The book of Psalms is generally not like the law sections of Genesis through Deuteronomy. The book of Psalms is generally not like the historical sections of the books of Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles. Now you find exceptions to these things. Generally, the book of Psalms is a very poetic book. What difference does that make? in our interpreting the book of Psalms. Sometimes, in poetry, men express their deepest emotions. An example of this, outside the book of Psalms, is found in Jeremiah 20. 
In Jeremiah 20, verses 14 through 18, Jeremiah is grieving his life, his painful life. He pronounces a curse upon the one who brought news to his father that a child was born. The fact that a child was born, a son was born, was good news in ancient Israel. And it would have been announced to Jeremiah's father as good news. But Jeremiah calls down a curse upon the man who brought that news. Why should Jeremiah call for a curse upon a man who thought he was bringing good news to Jeremiah's father? Jeremiah's curse is strong. He said, may the Lord overthrow him like he overthrew the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He states in Jeremiah chapter 20 that that man should have killed Jeremiah from birth. Is Jeremiah speaking literally when he says that? Is Jeremiah 20 literally saying that if you look at a child that's going to have a horrible life, you need to destroy him and kill him? No, that's not what it's saying. Jeremiah is expressing in the most dramatic and poetic terms the fact that he wishes he were never born. Poetic language isn't always to be interpreted with exactness. But what it lacks in exactness, it makes up for in emotional effect. And I find it fascinating that in the Gospels or in the Bible, that God has used all types of literature to appeal to all types of people. If you want historical narrative, you have it in the Bible. If you want law or legal sections, you have it in Scripture. If you are a more poetic soul, you also see that in the Bible. If you are one who is attracted to apocalyptic visions, you'll see that as well. The Bible is truly a book for every man and every woman. The book of Psalms speaks of Jesus. Jesus said that in Luke 24, in verses 25 through 27. O foolish and slow of heart to believe in all things written in the prophets. Was it not necessary for Christ to suffer these things and to enter his glory? Luke 24, verses 25 through 27, and Luke 24 and verse 44 mention the law of Moses, the Psalms, and the prophets, and he stated that they all spoke of him. How does the book of Psalms speak of Jesus? As we carefully examine the text of Psalms, we'll see more about this in weeks to come. But by way of an introduction, let me make this point. We often say that Psalms is the longest book of the Bible, and if you go simply by the number of verses in the book, that is easily the case. Psalms has more than a thousand verses, or almost a thousand verses more, than its nearest, closest competitor, 
the book of Genesis. But if you go by actual Hebrew words, the books of Jeremiah and the books of Genesis, among others, are longer than the book of Psalms. But isn't it interesting that when we come to the New Testament and it quotes the Old Testament, that the book that is most frequently quoted is the book of Psalms. Psalms may not be the longest book of the Bible, but it is the book of the Bible most quoted when speaking of Jesus. And what that tells me is that I can understand Jesus better if I have a grasp of the book of Psalms. For example, we see in the book of Psalms sufferers pouring out their heart, their grief, their anxiety to God. You see that in Psalm 22. You see that in Psalm 69. You see these writers full of pain, full of emotion, pouring out their grief and begging for God's deliverance. Isn't it fascinating that Psalm 69 and Psalm 22 are quoted in the New Testament and applied to Jesus' experiences? The righteous sufferers of the book of Psalms foreshadow the ultimate righteous sufferer, and that is Jesus himself. The book of Psalms speaks of a king who is to rule all nations, Psalm 2 and Psalm 72, a king who would be the most powerful of men, Psalm 45, a psalm who would, a, a king who would put all his enemies underneath his feet, Psalm 110. And yet, no king of Israel was the most powerful of all the kings of the earth. None of them exercised the kind of worldwide dominion that are described in Psalm 2 or Psalm 72. But the Jewish people kept these psalms alive in spite of the fact the Davidic dynasty came to an end in 587 B.C. with Zedekiah, Judah's last king, having his eyes put out and being taken away into captivity. The Jewish people kept these psalms alive, and it led them to anticipate, to long for, one who would come and fulfill these words. I would suggest to you that Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of these royal psalms in the book of Psalms. He is the fulfillment of this king who was coming like David, this king of whom God says, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Words that are quoted and applied to Jesus at his baptism, at his transfiguration, at his resurrection. As we carefully examine the scriptures together, we want to begin with individual psalms, Lord willing, next time. I do appreciate your willingness to pay attention to this short podcast as we introduce some relevant issues in the book of Psalms. 
May the Lord continue to bless you and strengthen you as you carefully examine the text of Scripture.